Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CTMP60 podcast. My guests today are two of my favorite people that I get to see and work with at CTMP. John Walker is CTMP's official photographer with years of experience in the industry and a real passion and enthusiasm for CTMP, as you'll see. John also helps me run the social media channels for CTMP, and he's a fantastic content creator. Ivan Navani is also a fantastic photographer, and he's a graphic designer who's in fact responsible for the CTMP logo, the 60 Years logo, uh, the Motormaster Ron Fellows Karting Championship logos. He does a lot of our merchandise and t-shirt designs. Pretty much anything with graphic design that's related to CTMP has Ivan's fingerprints all over it. Both of these guys are super passionate about not just racing and motorsport in general, but also our special track uh, known today, of course, as CTMP. Like my dad, they were just kids when they were first introduced to racing at then Mosport. And uh, working now for CTMP today, it's brought their stories full circle. And you may have noticed them at CTMP as uh, the photographers wearing the straw hats, the uh, so-called straw hat gang, so to speak, uh, if you will. Uh, so without further ado, here they are, my good friends, John Walker and Ivan Novotny. First of all, thanks guys for coming on. This is awesome. He's oh, like, thanks uh, great two guys who like so when i started at the track when my parents became um part of the management uh both ivan and john kind of like took me under their wing because i uh i was shooting some of the video and stuff so both of you guys have been like super nice to me and i'm glad i'm happy that i can both call you my friends so um two of the blues brothers here with the uh, straw hat gang uh, but you guys have been to- like are are some of the staples off not just in the media center but i know people know you and see you around and especially with the the straw hats you guys have kind of become like little icons uh, around the track so uh, we got but- calling out to me they're saying hey that's uh hey john how are you yeah. how you doing how you doing ivan and i'm looking around <laughs> and i'm going oh me <laughs> It's pretty funny though. Yeah, it has become a little bit of a, a funny thing. There's even been comics done at Fred and Barney, and uh, we've had some <laughs> like, caricatures done, and it's really quite funny. It's funny how it's taken on a little life of its own. So, well, I want to talk to you guys about uh, photography and and design and and all that good stuff. Uh, but before we uh, get get to that, maybe you guys just want to each take. A little time and talk about your personal history with the track how where you first um uh, how old and when and how you first came to the circuit that was that was most port um and just talk a little bit about that and then uh we'll we'll get into some of the uh the photo stuff later on but uh maybe ivan you want to go first sure um yeah, my story, kind of funny enough, is extremely similar to your dad's story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on getting to the track. And uh, we were doing some work together. And during that time, I said, you know, I asked Ron the same question. How did you get to the track? And what was your beginning? And, and so on. And uh, so the similarity is, is my uncle took me to the track okay. uh, as well. And he was a rally driver as well. And uh, he's also a driver instructor, and uh, I think he was even teaching OPP how to do self-defense driving and, and okay. pursuit driving and all that cool stuff. So he lived in a car. That was his whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said uh, he was over for dinner at the family house, and 
he just uh, he said, do you want to go to the track? You know, and I didn't know what that was. And I just sort of want to side skirt just a little bit. You know, I think, you know, growing up in Canada where we all played hockey and played baseball and, you know, the idea of racing, I think the only thing that I saw was the Indy 500, you know, on ABC Sports. And I did watch that a lot. That was sort of my, one of my favorite things to do, but didn't even know tracks existed, you know, nearby and what that was all about. So I just want to say that I think, and I'm sure you probably agree with me, that it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, it gets handed down from a family member or, um, you know, or a friend, or it's not something that's so easily accessible as some of the other sports are, right? You know, you always play hockey and baseball or road hockey, whatever that is, but that's easy to do. But to get to a track, someone's got to drive you. It's a little bit more uh, you know, difficult to get there. You can't just go pick that up with your friends. And so it's usually to me, I think it's handed down. And that's what happened with me. My uncle was into the sport and uh, loved going to the track. And just, I was old enough. He thought that I would enjoy it. And he took me. Um, but I just remember, you know, being very young, I was eight years old. It was my first time. It was 1973 uh, Grand Prix, the wet wow. one. And, uh, I just remember sitting on my front porch waiting for him to come pick me up, you know, like every two <laughs> seconds I'm looking up the street is he coming, is he coming yet. And I think he showed up a little bit late. So I was starting to panic that he wasn't going to get there, but, uh, but he showed up and he showed up. I'd never seen this car before, but he brought the rally car. You know, it's a Datsun 510. Again, a similarity to yeah. dad's uncle. That's so funny. And it's just crazy. Um, my uncle's Carl's car was, uh, it was brown. It was a brown car, but, uh, he had, you know, completely stripped it out as any rally car would, had no creature comforts in there, but it had the bucket seat with the five point harness. And nice. uh, that was my first experience going to the racetrack and to see uh, a race for the first time. Uh, it was pretty cool. It was pretty intense. You know, it was just uh, couldn't stop grinning from ear to ear, you know, the whole ride up. Yeah. And uh, so that 73 was our, our first first time at the track. For me, anyway, he was going earlier, um, and it was amazing. I, I just uh, back then, I don't think I knew what design was. I mean, I liked cool things. I liked cars from as young as I can remember. Um, but I remember, you know, seeing those cars sort of quietly being wheeled out onto the grid and seeing all the crews dressed in their gear, and, and somehow that just resonated with me. I just loved the you know, sort of the ceremonial aspect to that and how that took place. And, you know, once they started firing up the engines and revving, I've never heard anything like that in my life. And right, it just freaked me out, right? It's yeah. uh, you know, the, the ground was shaking. I could feel it through my feet. My lungs were vibrating. I just thought, what <laughs> is this? You know, just constantly revving those engines before they went. And it was just, it just sticks with you. You know, once you have that experience, especially at such a young age, it's so visceral, just... Yeah. It blows your mind. And uh, so that was my first, my first time at the track. I can, we can get into more memories of, uh, of that day, but uh, I'll let John go and uh, let you sure. know. Well, I, I, that's awesome. I've been, I, and it's funny, isn't it the same thing that happens now? You know, yeah. we, we talked about this, you drive through up, see that first uh, wall, first yep. little bit of wall there at the DDT. And the light coming through, we're up there early in the morning. And uh, I mean, I got goosebumps even now. Every time I drive in there, I don't care what I'm doing. If I'm doing go-karts or I'm doing the racing school or DDT or uh, a track day, I get that same feeling turning in there that I did 
Well, I didn't know back when I was a little guy because I had no idea, but uh, it's that same, you said, ground pounding, visceral uh, through your chest. And you're just like, as a little boy, you're uh, just, uh, it's it's stuck and it's stuck forever. Uh, uh, My story's almost similar. It was my dad that got me uh, up there and I had no idea what uh, most poor car racing I understood. When I was born, uh, my and I have this on my desk, and I have this to remind myself. This is the very first toy that my grandpa gave. When I was born, the day I was born, he put this in the in with me. My my grandpa, my mom's dad, and it's a Auburn 1959 Auburn. It's rubber. It's been through the war, and I keep wow. it on my desk to remind me. I've kept it, and it's it stayed at my house. Mom gave it to me, and it's got plastic wheels, and it's faded. But it's it's the first thing I was given as a as a as a child, and I had this thing. I've grown up with it. And I still have it. So I don't know what that says. Plus, all my little toy collection here. But it's it's like uh, yeah, just telling Sam that the shrine. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty sick. It's I need more room. But but the uh, that that uh, as well as I just put a picture up on Instagram a little while ago of my bedroom, and I was going through photos, and here I am on my bed. I think it was my birthday or something. And there's a Camaro on the wall, an artwork that I made. So there's my design era from back in the day. I cut a uh, Indianapolis Pace car out and I stuck it on a pastel. I, I remember it. And it was on my wall above my bed. And then my wallpaper was uh, Lotus and uh, Lotus Formula One cars and Avante Studebakers and all the sports cars of the uh, 60s, I guess you want to call it that. Uh, I'm dating myself, but that's uh, that's what it is. And uh, that was when I grew up. I woke up in the morning and I saw uh, this wallpaper that my parents and my dad probably picked out for me and my brother. And uh, we looked at these cars every time we woke up. So it was like ingrained in my mind. And uh, so when the opportunity did come, oh, my dad also uh, dabbled in a little bit of racing back in the day. He uh, drove a, and had a team, a bunch of bandits that uh had a had a late model stock car and they raced it at the cne and pinecrest and it was whoever showed up got to drive it sort of thing and whoever could fix the tires and they had one guy was a mechanic and they'd stuck my dad in one they said nobody's here you get in okay (laughs) and he did it um and again again to what uh, ron said in his thing for sponsorship and no matter what level you're at these guys went to the local gas station and Mm -hmm. got the spare tires and a battery and some oil and they you know hand wrote the name of the gas station on the side and they ran it at the track and uh right you know the wreckers or checkers you know it was one of those things so my dad had a, a, a it was racing all the time we talked about it all the time but um my first most sport was uh, 1970 and i went up with my dad and his that same gang of bandits and it was the can-am that year and that was the year bruce mclaren uh, died yeah. And it was right after that that the Can-Am, and I have a photograph that was taken by uh, a friend of my dad's and that I've, I've shared on uh, Remembering Most Part, and you've seen it. Um, we got up there, and all I remember was the crowd and the noise and being in dad's car for way too long and the lineups to get in and uh, going into 30,000, 40,000 people, whatever it was, and the noise, and that just I was going to get lost. Don't you get lost, my dad said. We couldn't find a spot on the fence, so we went out to turn seven, I guess, if you want to call that, on the infield. And that was the only spot we could get to the fence. Everything else was jammed. We were a bit late. Wow. Anything, Ivan, you know, we were waiting for all the buddies and 
Oh, this will never happen. We're never. Then we got the traffic, and it was you know just <laughs> crazy. Anywho, we went on the fence in the back straightaway there at seven, and I was told to stand by that post. Don't you move. I don't want you to get lost. And my dad and his buddies were probably having a couple of cocktails and having some fun and enjoying. I remember holding on to one of those posts, and it was cedar posts, and I still remember the smell of it, and I. I still remember the texture of it and everything else. And I didn't move because I, was, no, I wasn't going anywhere. There's 30,000. There was just crazies going on there. And then the cars came up. And those cars rumbled up that back straightaway. We could see down to five. Uh, they went by a slow and it was blah, blah, blah. And they just, like, like the, it was, I threw my chest and I'm like, yeah. Oh, my, and my dad and them, and they're taking photos and stuff. And that's where my love of photography came from a little bit there. But, but uh, then they came around to start and it was like, I just, there's nothing like it in the world. You can't describe yeah. it. And the only thing I can describe it as anything close is when Gidman had his, his McLaren out there uh, right. uh, and ran up and down. We heard it coming and I could, you could hear them. And Ron said the same thing. You could hear them at the start and you could hear them coming down through one, through two, and then through three, and they get louder and louder and louder. And as it came, and it, that is in my head and it'll stay in my head forever. And every time I'm on that back straightaway, I think of it. And it's just one of those things that, uh, um, and then I learned who Bruce McLaren was, and I learned who Dan Gurney was, because Dan mm -hmm. Gurney was a black helmet and drove with Danny Hume. Right. And uh, it was just that that engraved that. So I would say that's my, I was 10 years, 10 years old, I guess, 10, 9. So uh, yeah, 1970. Yes. And then, and then, and, you know, it's, it's, that's the same feeling I get every time I'm up there. And it's exactly what Ivan said. It's, uh, and then to be able to work there and be able to get trackside and to be able to get the access we do, yes. that's a whole other story. That's a whole other yeah. story. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, Every time I drive up, even now, it's it's you get that same feeling. It's just wonderful, you know. And and the cool thing is you see the same, you know, landmarks as you're driving up. You know, it's the same tree lines of tree line that you've been looking at, you know, for over for me, it'll be 48 years this year. Wow. But it's yeah. just it's just amazing, right? It just it feels uh it's like home. It's a second home for sure. And know? I love it how it changes over the with the Victoria Day weekend or if yeah. we're up on the last weekend. And then as it gets through to fall to the Labor Day weekend, how the light changes as you come up in the morning. And you know it gets more and more and more and then it, it hits and then gets less and less and less and those sunrises and just the way it comes through the trees and everything. Yes. And it's all that it's the drive that's getting there. You know, they say the journey. Yep. Uh, is is half the or is is a lot of the experience and that's and that's it. Well, as but, as uh, a yeah. as a student of the history, you know, I can certainly appreciate the I've watched as many videos as I can and found as many photos and you guys are always sharing videos and photos with me of old stuff because you know how much I admire and respect that stuff, but for me, when I saw the uh, when we did the 2017 F1 uh, Masters F1 revival, and you saw and I saw some of those cars on on our track for the first time, I was like, okay, yeah. I get it. I get the feeling that you must have had as a kid to see these cars, and uh, like Norris said, you know, magic names: uh, Andretti, McLaren, Ferrari, uh, Lotus, yeah, Fittipaldi <laughs> for sure. And it's, it's just insane that, uh, and we talked a little bit about it on, on both the shows so far, but, you know, these names and these, these people were like gods and they just yeah. kind of like descended on, on this, uh, track in, in Bowmanville, Ontario. And it's obviously left a lasting impression for, 
for you guys and for for people all over, all over the country and probably all over the world but um for me it's it's funny because i hear these stories and it's so fantastic but i was almost like i was born into the racing i think my dad said my very first race was like 94 at miami or something i must have been like several months old i don't remember that but my first memory of of what was then most sport was 1997 and um my dad i must have been about four yeah four or five years old i guess but uh my dad winning the the world sports car race in in 97 so i almost have taken um ctmp for granted uh, up until I got a little older and as a driver and realized, you know, how special it is because for me, it was like, there's racetracks everywhere, you know, like, oh, we're going to racetracks here. We're driving around. We're going there. We're going to Lime Rock. We're going to Road Atlanta. We're going to Sebring. We're going to Laguna Seca, uh, Watkins Glen. You know, it's like racetracks all, are just everywhere. All special, all special in their own way too. Yeah. Yeah. But there it wasn't anything, you know, weird. It was like my world. And so, um, it's amazing for me to hear these stories that you guys have of being like, almost like transplanted into this world. And it's like, what the heck is this? And, <laughs> and like, boom, this light goes off. And the same thing for my dad, uh, you know, this, like, he calls it the epiphany as an 11 year old yeah. kid. But yeah. for me, it was a lot different. Right. But, but that's why I think I love hearing all these stories so much, um, is because I, I was kind of born into it and I almost for a long time took for granted I think the first time I really understood how special um CTMP was my dad took me for a ride is probably 2006 or so and uh you know he took me for a ride on the track and as a passenger I just remember thinking that this track was not like a lot of the other tracks and we went around turn two mm -hmm. And I was, you know, scared. I didn't say anything, but I was holding on for dear life. I was really scared. And, you know, through three and he hit that bump, you know, on the curbing and the car is like jumping around. And I just remember thinking this is a special place. And uh, it's kind of stuck with me since then. But talk to me a little bit, guys, about uh, your your heroes from that era. As I said, the magic names. But who were some of your heroes when you were watching growing up? I know, you know, there's the obvious ones, as you said, Fittipaldi, Andretti. Uh, mm -hmm. But tell me, tell me a bit about the guys that that's that's stuck out to, to you. For sure, Fittipaldi. <clears throat> yeah, I just uh, always gravitated towards towards him as a character. And um, again, I, I wasn't aware of sort of design other than I knew I liked things and I liked things of color and that looked cool. Always liked his helmets. Um, and the design aspect of that, I love the JPS car. It looked, you know, from a physical uh, product design, it looked completely different than the other cars did. You know, it was quite a unique look and feel. Mm -hmm. uh, so those things sort of stuck stuck out over the years, uh, for sure. Andretti, that name is 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 huge. Um, McLaren, even though we never saw him, I never saw him race at Mosport then. Um, but certainly that name is, is huge. Yeah, I think, and I'll, yeah, I agree, I agree with Ivan on those two. Yeah, how can you not? You know, I mean, they're yeah. just, uh, they're the style that they had, the flair, they were, had that European F1, yeah, that, that, that whole aura. We didn't, we didn't have the internet back then. We didn't have anything. We have magazines that we saw probably three months after the race or whatever. 
any 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 news item I'd clip out and I'd say, but yeah, with the mystique of Mario Andretti coming from the U.S. and uh, going over and conquering, you know, not that he conquered Daytona, he conquered IndyCar, he conquered the NF1. I go, wow, yes. who, who's done that? And I mean, uh, and Fittipaldi coming in, and I have a Fittipaldi Mar Marlboro over here signed with Tracy and uh, Al Jr. I mean, um, it's one of those uh, things that he uh, he went from Formula One to IndyCar, and it was beautiful. Everything was beautiful. You know, he was such a character and so different than the than the Americans. And uh, yes, yes. and won a ton of money and was a spectacular driver and just love that. But I think my 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 uh, influence that really started me at Mosport and CTMP was motorcycles. And uh, my background and friends through high school, I met the group, the Murphys, the uh, McCallums, and the, and the Nelsons all through my high school years. And we found, you know, you're kind of lost in high school. I went to a high school of 3,200 kids, and there was this kid sitting in the corner, but kind of by himself, and, and he had a Yamaha um, racing shirt on and I went over and I thought, oh hey that's cool I, I like motorcycles and then we started a friendship Dave Murphy and Nora Murphy and Stevie Nelson who's uh, John Nelson's son from Shannonville the original owner of Shannonville who Ron he just thought the world of Ron that's for sure I know he did because he talked about Ron an awful lot uh, great guy and Ian McCallum uh, they're still I still talk to them daily and uh, they got me in we camped at the bottom of turn 10 there used to be a big tree there right by the tunnel. And uh, every time it rained, we got soaking wet with our tents and everything. It was the silliest place to camp, but it was really nice. Uh, and we didn't care back in those days. As long as there was some beer and some sandwiches, we were happy. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and in those days, we were close to the paddock because it was over on the other side. And so we had easy access. And then we had access to turn nine and the old Honda. Uh, that's why those photos are so many photos of that old Honda uh ad that's in the corner billboard right. in the corner with the, with the eyes yeah and buddies and that yeah and i um i was given and this is another story that popped up i was given a track pass i was given a photo pass uh here johnny here you got the camera i bought i bought a camera when i was 16 years old and that was my olympus and uh rather than a car or anything and i had a camera i did best camera of anybody so they said johnny here you take it and go johnny nelson said that he says take some photos for me I, so I, here i am my uh, hero, ultimate hero, is, is Kenny Roberts. And Kenny Roberts was up there for that uh, Formula 750, I think it was, or the Formula 500. I forget what year it was, but Molson's was sponsoring. We had passes to the hospitality suite. And everything. it was just a cue. Our teenagers, you know, not a nickel to our name. And here I am hobnobbing. <laughs> I met Petro back then. And uh, he is another photographer that I really I idolize. And he's really, uh, you know, Canadian photographer. He worked at uh, Mosport back in the day. And um, I kind of talked to him and talked to him about technique and stuff, but I got to meet Kenny Roberts and I have a sign, Cal Carruthers and Kenny Roberts is a sign piece in here. I've cherished it's from the program and it's up on my wall. And it's one of those things, uh, well, I, got, I was, I was tongue tied. I didn't know what to say. He came up, my pen wouldn't work. And he says, I need a new pen kid. And I'm, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I was starstruck and here I'm in the pits. I got the pass on and I'm, I should be like pretty cool. And that wasn't, I was like this kid that just stumbling around with his camera around my neck. And, and I got to go out on the grid and I got to I'd be at the wall where no one else was allowed. It was like, wow, this is pretty freaking cool. So, so uh, I think that was that Murphy gang got me in and uh, they had, they did sidecars back in the day. And we went to every Victoria day and as fans and, uh, and had the passes and stuff. So I think that was a huge 
uh, I'd say if I had a hero, it would be back from those days uh, that I got to actually meet and, and stumble around with was uh, Kenny Roberts for sure. Yeah. That's wow. Cool. The, One um, thing I noticed. No, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. As, as a kid, you know, being up there and flipping through the programs, I mean, I, I didn't know who these drivers were initially, you know, but you see their little profile shot and you read the names and, um, you know, now I look back and go, wow, as you said, no, those guys were absolute gods at the center. Oh, yeah. and, and, but you just, I learned who those names were and who those faces were just by flipping through the program. And it's pretty cool, you know, and, uh, you know, guys like Bobby Rahal and David Hobbs and, mm-hmm. um, you know, later on seeing um, some of the, the, the K.K. Rosberg. Yeah. yeah, and you know, there was Eric Bell and, and Hanstuck, and I mean, it's just incredible, some of those names, but I have flashbacks of flipping through the catalog and the program, I should say, and seeing their little profile shot, and at the time, not knowing, but obviously, the further you get along in the sport, you know who they are, and, yeah. and then you're like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in those, days, in those days, too, you, you walked right by them, like they were, yes. the access yeah. was incredible. In that little, yeah. when they had the little pits, uh, the pit block ball, uh, like yeah. Steve Baker, he, he let me come in his pits, Gary Nixon, all the racing motorcycle guys, uh, Patrick Pons, a world champion, uh, Daytona champion and world champion. Mm-hmm. And they come on in, you know, it was like yeah, you yeah. Know, those, what, those pit boxes, the little wooden pit boxes there that, when they had the old yes. uh, pit lane. And uh, come on in, come on, come on, take, come on, take a picture. They didn't, it was not like, now I guess we have to do it now because of what's going on, and who knows what's going to be like after after this uh, this uh, COVID thing. But uh, it was, you know, you, you really me, you know, like you're kind of looking and saying, "Oh yeah, you come on in," and and it was so welcoming, and these are your heroes, and they were just like regular regular people. And it was really really awesome. That's what I kind of found. The superbike races, year in and year out. Are, amaze me the the guys are are it's so competitive the racing is so close it's always you know a last lap battle you know between at least two two to four bikes and th- they're just crazy and the <laughs> the lap times that they achieve on those bikes are are staggering you know similar to yeah. porsche um gt3 cup cars uh, yeah. minute, minute 20 or so on a motorcycle <laughs> Some of them are 600 cc motors, and yeah. they're just, uh, just incredible. But yeah, some of the names that have uh, been on that track and that track on a motorcycle, even back in the day, now it's now it's you know there's some runoff, there's some barriers, air barriers. Now they have the air. Back in the day, it was some hay bales, baby, and that was it. And that was uh, there was Armco and concrete walls, and yeah, uh, it rained a lot, and there were all these you know rain tires backing up the back straight and kind of go. Oh, and then there was the the hump in the back straightaway, you know, like yeah. Lang Hindle used to come across there just standing up on the pegs and him and Ruben, who we had as our grand marshal, yeah, uh, just, just blew my mind. Uh, yeah, it's like it, it shouldn't be real. The way that at a car, you see a, a car dynamic coming through a corner and a motorcycle dynamic coming through a corner, two different things. And yeah, I, you, I'm like you say, I mean, you kind of go, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> When they had the Italian uh, a couple of years ago, when they brought the, the guy in the Kajiba over, the guy, I forget his name, I should remember it. But oh, yes, yeah. I know going on between our guys and, uh, and him. And, Claudio oh. Corti, was that his name? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A whole different line. He took a whole different line. He was like, 
in places I've never seen a motorcycle on that track and he was fast. Yeah. But that's the excitement. And I think that's uh, uh, the, I can say danger. And I know you hate saying the danger, but the spectacle of the whole thing is just like, wow, these guys. Well, right yeah. There. That's some one thing Norris, Norris said though, as well is, is, you know, let's not kid ourselves. That's one of the things that, you know, is, is attractive about the sport is that it's, you know, there is danger, there's speed. Um, and, and usually when those things are, are combined, it creates excitement for the viewer. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The sport's come a long way. And and, and you guys are doing a great job pumping this stuff out and, and putting these together and letting everybody tell their little stories from all different angles, not just from a driver angle, like uh, from our, our angle, from, uh, you know, you, you're getting it from competitors. It's really nice. And I think this is a, from the press side, you know, with, uh, with Norris and that. I, I, I laughed. I laughed four or five times during that interview that was just Norris is a beauty and yeah. uh and uh, there were some just little gems and it's all these little gems that are just such a um I don't know so important I think that they're very important to the to the whole the whole history of this and and we're trying to carry it on and trying to make it who knows uh, down the road you know 20 years 10 15 years down the road when we're old and uh uh, watching back and, and hopefully some of our stuff uh gets you know right back out and and uh help somebody else enjoy the sport and understand uh why we're so passionate about it i remember so, sitting ahead, actually standing beside uh, uh danny bailey during the very first truck race <clears throat> we were on the front straight and you know he just said to me you know you're shooting history here and yeah. You sort of don't think about it at the moment, you know, at the moment you're, you're trying to keep your head on a swivel and, and uh, be safe and, and, you know, get the shot that you're looking for. But he's right, you know, like everything that we've been shooting over the last several years, it's, it's going to be historical references down the road. And, you know, we walk into the media center, we see those fantastic old shots and we go, wow, you know, and it's, uh, you know, some of them aren't even the best technical photographs or even the most yeah. creative, but, you know, it makes absolutely no difference. It's all pure content. You look at it, you're just, you're just flabbergasted of what the place looked like back then. Uh, as you said, you know, the, 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 the pro drivers at the time, the cars, the way they looked, and it's just looking back at history and, and appreciating all that. And we're doing well, that now. It doesn't feel like it. But yeah. <laughs> we are, you know, so it kind of woke me up a little bit. Then, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting, as, as you just said, John, looking at these shots 20 years later. You know, well, Ivan, do you think they were, did you think they were thinking they were making history back then? I don't think so. Not. I really don't. No. It was probably, no. I'm just here, you know, snapping. Yeah. I, do I have enough film? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm to save two shots for the podium sort of thing. And I, I, I remember shooting kind of that way when we were doing film. And it was, yeah. it's like, just get those shots, get them rather than say, wow, I'm making history. You know, you don't think that way. And uh, uh, this, year, no. this year with the 60th anniversary has made me sit back and kind of reflect now and going through my old photos and I'm going, wow. Yeah, they're not great photos. They were snapshots. They were, I probably had a beer in my other hand and I was shooting over the fence and stuff. But you look at them, you look at the crowds and you look at the, the old cars or you look at the people, the way they're dressed and that and yeah. you go, you know what these are really awesome for but not yeah. technically but they're really now we're yeah. trying to get the light perfect and everything else well maybe we should start doing more snapshots and uh, yes. add those in you know and uh, and just let them uh let people in incorporate them into the mix a little bit more 
That's right. You're absolutely right. Oh. So when did you guys first start getting uh, interested in, in photography? Uh, was it motorsport specifically or just photographer free photography in general? Johnny, you want to go? Yeah, I had a really great teacher through high school, um, Mr. Bevan, and I always remember his name. He was fantastic. And that's the only thing that I think got me through high school. I wasn't interested in anything else but art and design and painting and drawing. And, and then he's, I got a camera. And like I said, I, told, I said that I was at 16 years old and I had a summer job and I worked my butt off all summer long doing a, uh, working in a, a this factory thing. And was dirty and everything. I thought I got some good money and I bought a Olympus OM1. I bought it right from the direct and I didn't buy a car. I was going to go get a car and I couldn't afford a car I wanted. So I got a camera. And then I uh, ran into this teacher, this wonderful high school teacher, Mr. Bevan and Dave Murphy, who was with me during that. Uh, we both were uh, uh, together um, in that art class and we found something we really loved and this teacher was just phenomenal and encouraged us and, and they had a great dark room at Victoria Park. I went to Victoria Park Secondary and they just built a beautiful new dark room. Well, hey, they gave you film. We rolled our own film. We got developing. I got, so I did my projects and I had a few pictures of cars and motorcycles along the way and I sold them at the track to the to the mums of the, of the drivers at Shannonville because we were down there all the time with uh, with Nelson. And I was a, a part of the family down there. And uh, that's how it kind of started. And if you want to say back when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, I kind of had my own little business going where I'd get prints made and I'd take them to the track and show them to the, to the mothers. So I always went to the mothers. You didn't go to the fathers. You didn't go to the race. They had no money. Uh, you went to the moms and showed them a picture of their son and they bought it for, I was beer money. You know, we had some beer money. But that's how it kind of started. But that's my photography and I just dabbled in it and everything else all the way through. And I've kept going and bring my camera everywhere I go, family events. Uh, and then I started, uh, I got downsized about 10 years ago with my, uh, officially, if you want to skip time there and, uh, started the one word. And, um, my wife said to me, she said, what are you doing? Get up and do some, what do you love? Go do something you love. And, we set up one word and I got going on it and it's been, I don't know, you know, I was 50 years old and I said, let's, uh, let's try something different. And it, and it, uh, in the track, you, know, you guys have been so wonderful up there, uh, bringing me on and, uh, and helping me out and we're, we're going, you know, his, the rest is history really. And it's just kind of evolved into much more, you know, social media and, uh, you know, event coverage and everything else, but a little more structured than it was when we first started. But uh, yeah. I think that's where my love, but I went to Ontario College of Art also back after school and that got me, uh, Pat Knox was a, a, a teacher of mine and he was wonderful, just great. And I just became, I was shooting eggs on backgrounds and getting lighting and learning things <laughs> part of it. And I think that's the thing that really taught me the love of, uh, of photography. And now with motorsports and the cars, and the lighting and, getting to work with Ivan and, you know, to, challenging each other to, uh, to get the shot, to try to get up and get the proper lighting and this and that, plus get the shoot list. But uh, yeah. I think it's just a nice evolution of, uh, of uh, the art and the craft. And, and that's kind of how I, uh, how I got my start in it. And I still, I love it. It's the best job in the world. I, I say that all the time. <laughs> Very cool. How about you, Ivan? 
Yeah, it's it's uh, like John. You know, I've always had camera around my neck uh, when I was younger uh, at events. Like you know, day to day, I wouldn't be using it all the time. But certainly at uh, parties and events, I like to take some happy snaps and uh, always made sure I brought a camera with me when I went to the track, uh, most port back then, and obviously get bringing the camera now at CTMP. But yeah, I was. Um, I've always liked it, you know, but I never had that sort of burning passion. It kind of grew into that over time. I always liked playing with it. I found it challenging and, uh, you know, started on film like we all did, us old guys anyway. Uh, and, and I loved it. I mean, I liked it, but it just sort of wasn't this real burning passion. And I sort of got into design more. Um, but what was really interesting is that um, as I started bringing the camera around and, you know, I would bring it to the track. It became a real door opener, not even at the track, but even outside of that with, with other client work. And I just found that really interesting. Nobody knew I was a designer. They all thought I was a photographer. And it's probably still the case today, I think, with many people, because a lot of the stuff I post is my photography. Um, but yeah, it, um, it just, you know, would buy better gear over time and uh, never had the best gear, but just sort of worked it as hard as I could and, and get what I could out of the camera. Um, but it was one of those things that as I got further along with my design career, photography just became sort of an extension of that. And, you know, I, I look at photography exactly the same and the process is exactly the same as I do a design project. So to me, it was just once I got into the zone, it felt exactly the same as working on a design. And I could start to control what I wanted in the frame. And, and that was pretty cool. And uh, you know, being a designer, I'm constantly working with photography in my work, but it's always somebody else's work. You know, it was either a stock photography or it was custom if the client had some budget. So I could then do some custom work, which was fun. I got to do many shoots and sort of from an art direction capacity. So that was cool. So I learned a lot there. Um, but I just thought, you know, maybe it's time I start using my own work. My own, my own photography and my own design work and started to think, how do I fuse all those things together? My passion for design, photography, and then motorsports. How do I bring all those three things together? Uh, and I finally did. I found a way to do that and get into that story later. But um, it just sort of grew into uh, that becoming a huge passion for me. And then as I got deeper into it, I started looking up other photographers, seeing what they were doing and you know, seeing how I could copy them and steal from them, steal from their bag of tricks, you know, including Johnny. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just started looking around and you see, how do they shoot? You know, and what are they, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? You know, I'm standing in the same spot. Mm -hmm. um, so you just start getting deeper and deeper into it. And uh, once I saw some of the, you know, the world top F1 photographers, it just, uh, which I had never been exposed to before. It's never sort of looked it up. And once I got to that stage, I was just blown away. And I thought, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I mean, that's my passion. How come I'm not doing that? And uh, so it just, just, it's just practice, you know, it's just uh, practice and passion. You just keep getting at it and keep trying new things and uh, being inspired by other people. I'm always inspired by other people and what their, their work is. And, and, and I love that. It just sort of kicks me in the butt to try to work harder and do better. Uh, so that's kind of how I got into it. It sort of slowly eased into it. Even though I've been around it my whole career, I never, it wasn't until about 15 years ago, I guess, that I really started to put some emphasis into trying to, to do something with it. Right. Yeah, sort of where we are today. 
Well, when I was a kid at uh, in the Corvette racing tent, drinking Mountain Dew and eating Lay's potato chips or whatever I was doing. But the the, the there were a bunch of photographers, but the main guy was was Richard Prince, and he he obviously, as we know, is fantastic photographer. But uh, I kind of understood at a young age that. You know, there's some guys that seem to stick with certain teams and certain and people, and um, obviously uh, on for various reasons, but on merit and uh, you know ability and technique and skill for sure. But I remember, I think the first time I can't remember the first time we met Ivan, but it was probably at a, a race somewhere in the states, and you were probably working for um a team or something like that but i know uh, maybe you can tell probably tell the story better but you uh i know you did some design work for for my dad and so then when my parents became part of the um ownership at ctmp did they kind of like bring you along a little bit i actually don't really remember how how it goes maybe you can tell that story sure um <laughs> Again, it kind of goes back to, you know, how do I, how do I fuse all those things together, all my passions together? And um, how do I get into motorsports, you know, as a photographer and a designer? It's, it's, it's kind of difficult. You know, I'd never worked in that uh, sector before. I mean, I loved it and enjoyed it, but never worked there. Uh, I read an article in the paper that your dad was slowly, you know, feathering out of Corvette racing as a driver. And taking on more ambassador roles and, you know, sponsorship and marketing sort of activities. And uh, I mean, I certainly knew who your dad was at the time and was a big fan and follower. So when I read that, I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe I need to go speak to Ron. He's probably the best person I could connect with in Canada to sort of help me, you know, guide my way and give me some tips on where, how to get into it and how can I start? Right. And so I thought, well, how do I get Ron's attention? <laughs> um, so I came up with this idea of developing uh, a print, a piece of artwork, which I ended up calling the color of victory, yellow, the color of victory. And it really became a tribute to your dad and his legacy with Corvette racing. And I thought, I'll do something. I mean, people bring things to the track to be signed all the time, right? And they bring their model cars and photos and so on. So I thought I'll do a print and, and I'll tell your dad, I got something for him. And if you'd have time to you know, spend five minutes with me. So I uh, can't remember the year now, but it was pretty close to the end of your dad driving. And he was, there was actually a world challenge, I guess, race going on as well. And he was in the Cadillacs. He was racing the Cadillac and the Corvette the same weekend. He was in uh, the Mott grid and he was the first one there. And I just happened to be walking by and I thought, here's my opportunity. So I just walked right up to him in the car and just said, hello, introduced myself and said, I have something for you. And he goes, oh, yeah, what's that? I said, well, I have a piece of artwork. And I said, there's only two in the world. There's one for you and one for me. I said, if you sign my copy, I'll give you one. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of fun. And he said, OK, sure. He says, meet me back at the trailer, you know, after uh, after the session. So I thought that was pretty cool. I run that back to my car and you know, pull out the big portfolio prints, you know, and, and the cardboard uh, holder that I had it in. Uh, and then I go stand in line with about, you know, 100 and 200 other people outside the Corvette trailer waiting to have things signed. 
Right. And I thought this is going to be tough. How am I ever going to meet him? You know? And uh, so Ron pulls up with the golf cart with some other people and he saw me in line, remembered my name, which I thought was really great. And he says, Ivan, I'll be right with you. I'm just going in for a driver's meeting. I'll, I'll call you after. I said, okay, cool. So then I'm standing out there with the 200 other people. We're all baking in the sun. It's really yeah. hot. Weekend. And uh, I was so under the tent sweating. drinking Mountain Dew and eating chips. <laughs> right. So I'm sweating buckets, you know, and waiting. And, uh, and then I just see Ron open up the trailer door and he's looking around and he spots me. And he just sort of points his finger at me and he says, come on in. So I go under the rope and you know, all these all these people waiting in line are going, why does he get that, that, that yeah. chance to go through? I used to so love I go doing in, that. Yeah. <laughs> so I go under the rope, go up to Ron, and uh, so I show him the piece, and he just thinks it's great, which is great. It makes me feel great that he likes it. And uh, told him the story. You know, I read that you're going to be slowly, you know, feathering out of the driving position and doing other types of activities. Told him I was a designer, what I did, and I said, you know. I don't know, but maybe we could be a good fit. Maybe I could help you out with some of that stuff. And I said, you know, I have five minutes of your time now. Thank you for that. Really appreciate it. I'm really pleased to give you this piece. I said, but I'd love to take you out for lunch, you know, and maybe we can discuss and chat about some more ideas. And uh, he did. He said, sure. He said, give me a call in a couple of months because he was still busy with uh, the racing schedule. Hmm. And uh, we did, we got together, we had lunch, talked about a few things and thought of some other interesting opportunities that uh, we could do together. And uh, one of them, which was actually uh, the Sunoco karting, uh, Ron Fellows karting. Oh, okay. In the end, that's a different story. It didn't quite go so well that year. Right. That's where the first piece we did. And uh, then we decided, well, why don't we turn the color of victory print that I did, the two of them into a, a signed numbered print edition. Uh, like a poster print, which we did. And that was kind of the start of it. Right. And uh, so fast forward to you know what happened with uh, the change from Motorsport to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, which I guess is 10 years this year, right? It's the 10th yeah. year anniversary for that. Crazy. It is crazy. Um, yeah, there was some uh, work being done at, I guess, through Canadian Tire and through their agencies, working and developing concepts for the logo. And I had told Ron that I was doing some fun sketches in the background just for myself, just playing around what I would do with it. And uh, yeah, he, he called me one night and he says, uh, Ford's not happy. They're not happy with where we are so far. Canadian Tire's not happy with it. And uh, nobody was happy with where it was going. And uh, With the uh, logo? With the logo design. He says, okay. you know, do you want to you still have something, you're still working on something. And I said, well, yeah, I got something. I'll figure it, I'll finish it off. So that was six o'clock. And then uh, he says, I need it by eight o'clock tomorrow morning. I'm getting on a flight, going to a meeting and I need it by then. So put you I under the gun, it, eh? Under the gun. So I finished it <laughs> off and sent off a few concepts and, uh, you know, sent it to Ron, phoned him. He was still sitting on the plane on the tarmac, hadn't flown off yet. And uh, I made sure he received the concepts. He goes, yeah, I got them. This is great. And just uh, waiting on pins and needles for the end of the day to hear a response. And, and uh, he says, you're in, you got it. They, they liked one of your logos. So wow. I was thrilled, you know, and to me, that was just, it was everything. It's absolutely everything. It came, I've come full circle, you know, from being that eight year old kid coming up to the track to working there to now design the logo for the track. Mm -hmm. uh, that was it. That was kind of the, that was a big hit for me. That was awesome.
Right. So thank you, Ron and Linda, for that. That was an incredible. Really. Well, I want I want to talk to you about the about the sixty logo, but we'll get back to that in a bit. Yeah. I want to ask Johnny how did Johnny how did you get involved? Because I remember when I came in with the family in twenty I guess it's twenty eleven, right? So. Um, but you had already been working for some time, I think for the, for the track was that, so was that Jerry and Ryan or how did you get yeah, hooked up? I, I, I kind of think it was almost like some osmosis almost. I got there <laughs> and, uh, I was part of the gang. I was just part of the, actually, I, 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 went, yeah, I just, I was part of the moss on the side of that cedar post, you know, I think it, it all blended together and I just kind of, uh, it, it, it was, um, yeah, again, it was it was sort of like I, I got in there, I got some half decent shots, I got a, a photo pass, and it was LAT. It was um, uh, what the hell, me Ivan, uh, Mike Levitt, who's Mike Levitt, yeah, Levitt, and I met. We were I was in Daytona. This is just before I uh, or when I got downsized, and I kind of got one word. I went with Pat Gonzalez down to Daytona, and uh, we shot the motorcycles. Down. You were in the uh, advertising business before. Yeah, right? oh, way back. And that's the thing. I was in the uh, advertising business throughout. So I had color separation. I did photography. I did all kinds of things. And I took motorsports as a, uh, if you want to just go back a little bit, I took motorsports into my marketing program. We had, uh, I was kind of the marketing guy down at a great company called Bat Graphics that I worked at. And uh, they were wonderful. Great, great. Best job I ever had for 20 some odd years. But it, the in, industry changed with digitization and everything else, color separations and the whole bit. It just kind of went obsolete, the business, and I had to change and move along. And then it, uh, they downsized and the whole bit. That's a long story. But I kind of went on my own and did my own thing. And I went, went and did photography. So Pat says, come on with me to Daytona. We need a photographer down Daytona. And he was the announcer down Daytona. I got full passes and credentials. Um, this is a bit of a backstory. I made photos and I went and did them on the strip. I went to the, the parties. I went to the uh, the beach and everything else. And not just shooting at the track. I shot all over. Well, a magazine picked up all the photos. They said, you know, everyone shoots the track and everyone shoots just the motorcycles. You shot all the action and the things that were going on and the pit stops and the, uh, the bike week party on the main drag and the choppers and all the other stuff and the, the girls on the beach and whatever. And it was one of those things they put incorporated. I got like, a 20 page spread in this magazine when I came back and I went, wow. And Pat wrote the article and I did the photos. And I said, this is cool. I really like this. So I got the opportunity. I met Levitt and those guys uh, along the way and he, they came up to Mosport. They were coming up to Mosport. So I got in there and uh, not that I was working for them or anything else. I just got a pass. I went up to them, signed my name and got a, got a pit, pit pass and, uh, and started shooting at the track. I submitted them also to uh, Jerry. I knew Jerry from with Pat and I knew uh, a couple of other people that were there and I submitted some of the photos and they said, can we use these? And it was one of those kind of, like I said, it just said it, it took off and they said, what are you doing next week? And we got another race. we got a club race. We've got a, uh, and I was back at the motorcycle race and it just sort of take, took off and I delivered. I was consistent. I delivered. I, I, you know, they didn't have to wait two weeks. I was right next day delivering the photos and, um, it was, I think, just one of those things. Uh, they didn't have that. And back, like Ivan said, uh, it was something that uh, it, was a, it was a little hole that had to be filled. Uh, they were getting stuff from all over. There was no consistency to the photographs. They were trying to be a little more professional up on the track, all that. 
And I said, oh, well, pick me. Uh, I'll do it. And I kind of think it's just gone from there. And my relationship with the media department up there, Miles. Uh, um, and there's a funny story uh, about Miles. There's a, I was on that grid also that Ivan was on for the trucks. And uh, I was, history, I think we both said it to each other. I think we were beside each other and Danny and them and I kind of walked yep. off and I was just like walking around going, this is pretty amazing. This is awesome. This is the first truck race here in, 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 in Canada, right? And, and uh, I looked over and there was Carlo. And Carlo says, you're enjoying yourself, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I do this for free if uh, you didn't pay me. And then Miles was standing right beside him and he says, oh, really? <laughs> for free, huh? he's never let me forget it. It was a moment I had. I was just enjoying the whole. Just before the green flag dropped, I was having such a moment. And Carlo, and he says, "You," he says, "You're beaming ear to ear." And I said, "Yeah, this is awesome. I, I wouldn't. I don't even need to be paid." Or so I said something silly like that. And yeah, Miles is <laughs> and he's he, to this day he has not let me forget that moment. He's just he's always on that in meetings. Oh, Johnny, are you still okay in the meetings? He, he has never forgotten that. But it's that those magic moments, it's all transformed from the original question uh, into what it is now. And I think it's just been consistent service, consistent uh, making good friends like Ivan, uh, working together with the team. Uh, it's changed over the years a lot, uh, whether it's the, the girls in the, in the office or whether it's the guys at the track or that's the corner workers or the people or the grid workers you know it's just being part of a, a, a much bigger team than just uh, uh, just the racing uh, fraternity so. how did the uh, straw hat brothers come together <laughs> uh, I have I'm bald I'm bald as a and I must hear my hair is going really quick uh, by the way I think we should have a mullet contest before we get I think this is gonna be this is the longest my hair has ever been uh, since high school. I think it's like ridiculous to get a haircut. We should have a mullet. I'll have a mullet contest before this is over. Yeah. But I think I, I just wore a straw. I just wanted to be a little bit different. And uh, I got a, um, we were down in Phoenix. My wife, my wife says, here, how about one of these? You, maybe you should wear a good, she bought it for her. We were at the Tommy Bahama shop or something. She says, here, this is kind of cool. Try that on it. She says, I like it. So I got a I got a beautiful straw hat down in in Phoenix, and then I came back up and I put it on. My head was getting burnt, and it was actually um, uh, the uh, I was at the grid on the grid, and um, and they said, "You look at your head; it's red. It was like like a beacon." So, so I went to the car and I had my straw hat in there. I put it on, and from that point on, I just I, I kept uh, wearing the straw hat, and it's a little bit different than wearing a kind of just. And it, people were noticing it. So I said, hey, it's a little bit of a trademark. And uh, and then this guy shows up with a straw hat on. And I go, holy, so what's going on here? <laughs> As I told you, <laughs> I'm always stealing from other people's bags of tricks. <laughs> hey, what's no, I look absolutely ridiculous in, in, a, in, a, in a baseball cap. And I've never been a hat guy. And uh, yeah, like Johnny, it's always getting completely burnt being outside exposed to the elements and I thought straw hat that's a good idea maybe I look better in a straw hat and uh, I mean I look ridiculous anyway so it's all fun and uh, <laughs> kind of worked <laughs> and then it was kind of funny we were both wearing them and uh, that's yeah people always mistake us which is pretty funny you need to grow a beard make it even harder for them to discern 
the difference. Yeah, I can't grow. I can't grow a beard. I tried. It didn't be all over. It's like a little patchy thing. It's, it's uh, not a good thing. Not a good look. Well, all hats are fun. I tried to. Uh, I tried to have my own trademark at one point. I remember when you. I wore that tropical bucket hat, like oh, Gilligan oh, Island I type thing. Those pictures out. I gotta get I thought, those out. I figured uh, this might be my thing. You know, there's the straw hat guys. Maybe this is my. Th- and I just got ridiculed by you guys and all the <laughs> photographers in oh. the NASCAR. And I just, I took that hat and I just put it straight in the garbage. Throwback Thursday. I got the new picture for Throwback Thursday next week. Oh God. <laughs> That's oh, that's hilarious. But it's been but, fun. Uh, ever since. It's worked out. It's just been great. And I look forward to, I have them up on my calendar on my wall and I'm looking forward to, uh, I think our first event, major events uh, is uh, some go-karting and get that going. That was so much fun last year. That was a, that was a great, uh, yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the Motormaster Ron Fellows uh, karting championship. It was just uh, yeah. so well done. And even through COVID, it was done so mm-hmm. professionally, so well done. It was, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, it was just so much fun to work on. So yeah, it's 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 that's it's sort of taken its um, yeah I'd say through osmosis or uh, it's it's developed over the years and I love it. I can't wait to see what happens this year. But yeah. let's talk a little photography. What what uh, are your guys? What what are your favorite places to sh- to shoot at on the track? Or what what kind of things do you look for? Um, I know you guys talk about the light all the time. When and so, I'll, let me backtrack here. When I first, I have a journalism degree for those who don't know. Uh, and when I came to the track, I jumped in helping out with PR, helping out with some social media. Uh, Jerry Priddle and Ryan Chalmers were kind of the media guys at that point. Um, and then when Ryan left, it kind of uh, me and Jerry, and and then uh, me and Johnny. Uh, doing the social media and then um, but yeah the whole time basically I was I was shooting until a few years ago until I started getting more serious about the racing I was shooting uh, video with you guys Um, you guys were shooting photo I was shooting video and you guys really showed me the ropes and I appreciate it Um, Johnny usually you had the the advice based on on light and Ivan, you had the advice on based on how to get the weird shots, <laughs> which I love because there was I don't always... know how to take a normal shot. <laughs> no, yeah, you're you're always doing something weird, which is amazing. But uh, you you guys taught me a lot about the because where the how the light there's so much um, foliage at the circuit um, because there's you know we're on the on the uh, Oak Ridge's moraine. Uh, so there's a lot of trees, a lot of cover, but you guys were always uh, knew when, what times to hit the certain corners to get yeah. the right light. And I know, um, like uh, the early morning, you guys like to be on the back straight, super early morning to get the light coming through. And uh, the certain times where you go to three, certain times when you don't go to three, that type of thing. So maybe just talk a little bit about that, um, some of the methodology and some of the places that you guys like to shoot. Yeah, my, my favorite place, you mentioned it, is the back straight. Um, it's maybe for some a bit unusual, but yeah, I just love the way the light trickles through the trees. And, you know, people use the word or term light pockets or 
I tell them, you know, fingers going across the track, the shadows and the lights, uh, give me a great contrast, uh, very interesting lighting. If you get that car coming in the light pocket, it's completely dark back there in the morning, early morning, you know, just get the beams of light coming in and the cockpit will just illuminate and you just, just get some very interesting things, you know, really cool reflections off the car. Uh, so I really liked the lighting back then. And, and if you go back uh, later in the afternoon, if there's that opportunity, if, and that's kind of the, the issue, I guess, with us is a lot of the races race uh, finish early. Mm. So we're not getting to the late time evening light or early evening light. But uh, when we do sometimes or even practice sessions, uh, there's the opportunity to get some really nice light coming in on the back straight again later on in the day. Uh, but yeah, that's probably one of my favorite spots for sure. Yeah, well, that's one of my least favorite spots. So that's one of those. That's why we work so well together. I think is yeah. because I have, uh, I, 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 it frustrates the heck out of me that back straight sometimes. And uh, and uh, I, I, when you do get it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, we need. I, I want to talk to Sam and say we need some uh, late afternoon evening races or into yeah. the evening races. There, that would yeah. be just epic because. That yeah. track has such wonderful the the, the undulations obviously the but uh, the boy the lighting comes in that that late afternoon and we're packing up and I'm going Ivan look and it's like it, it, it's and the Darcy too you'll say look at now it's just like the sun's going down the lights just streaming across the track even in in two three uh, down in five even it develops this really weird uh, kind of yeah late early evening. Uh, that's why when we go walking around, I took that uh, golf cart around the track. I was lucky enough to do that last year. And it just one lap of the track and there was just so many. And I, I was after the raid, people were on the track. So I guess it was like seven or six, seven or six thirty, seven o'clock. And it was just brilliant up the back straightaway with the sun beaming down the back straightaway, just popping over the edges. Um, yeah, the late afternoon race would just be spectacular there. And, and even in uh, September Labor Day, it starts to get a little nicer in, yes. in the afternoon. But yeah, early morning and late afternoon are, well, that's that's our golden hours, right, Ivan? Yes. And uh, uh, that's, that's, it, it's easier to, it's, I shouldn't say it's easier to shoot then, but it's much more uh, um, forgiving. More for yeah, building, yeah, yeah, more drama. You can do more things in the early, late afternoon. Here we're going out at lunch after lunch. Okay, boys, here you know what we're gonna get. We're gonna yeah, get a whole yeah. bunch of flair and a whole bunch of, uh, especially with the, the the cars that they have nowadays and, and stuff. It's, uh, but I I don't know. I'm I've. You know what favorite, I like? I'll tell favorite. you. My favorite spot is uh, is shooting the grid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I'm just such a fan of, of helmets and and seeing the driver's eyes peeking through the helmet. And, you know, it's it's a really interesting thing is the drivers get ready before yeah. they get into the cars. You know, they're still pretty much like, uh, you know, movie stars. And, you know, they still sort of have their their show on, I'm going to say, you know, they're they're still having fun. And the moment they're strapped in, and especially at the point where, you know, you're starting to get kicked off by, um, yeah. you know, those last moments, those last moments, moments you, got about, you got a minute left, you know, and they're, they're wanting to clear the track. And if you can get one or two more shots, and I know I'm a bad person for saying this, but I'll take that last 30 seconds if I can to get oh, it. Yeah. It's the, the most drama you you're going to get in those eyes, because at that point, they're turned on, they're in the zone already. You can see it. And it's just, it's not the same person that they were 
30 seconds ago putting on their helmet yeah and so it's amazing and i just love that tension you know it's it's quiet at the same time but at the same time it's you can really feel the buzz of the energy and if you can capture that it's i love it that's probably you know if i'm not shooting on track i love that part it's just uh it's amazing one thing I'm learning, I agree with that, Ivan, for sure. And that's awesome. That is, that's, I wasn't even thinking about that. But what I'm trying to do a little more of now, which I'm really enjoying, is shooting from outside the fence, up on the hill, through the fans. Uh, that, the, the, the thing with Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, if you're an amateur photographer and you don't have a photo pass and you don't have access and whatever it is one of the most accessible tracks for beautiful photography absolutely um by the fence in one down to one two not so much two three oh my god that's it's, it's, it's a you can have a ball in three you can pan you can do all kinds sure. of things five on the hill in five done some beautiful stuff well, it's back when you got some of the uh the imsa guys and all that you you don't find them down at the fence you find them up on the hill Shooting right. down through, through down and up the back straight. Uh, again, at eight, you know, you can go do some pretty cool stuff panning through eight and nine, you know, and, and uh, at the fence there, because we're not too far away from them. The fans are right behind exactly. us when we're, when we're by the wall there. Exactly. For me, uh, you can't do much and you can't really do much down in, in Tenet anymore, but, but the, uh, I'll say for all the regulations and the fencing and the, the regulation, safety regulations that have been put up, boy, I tell you, uh, CTMP is one of the, for an amateur photographer who wants to get into motorsports, I get asked that question all the time. How do I get involved? How do I get involved? I say, go on up, shoot from outside the fence and get some wicked stuff yes. and, and be creative and do some really interesting stuff with panning. And you can, that track, there's not going to be any other track that's going to let you get, have that access as right. a fan. And, and especially when you do the pit walk through and do the, uh, the paddock walk through and the accessibility through that whole thing. And even if you just stand, I got some really interesting shots just standing by the stairs that go over the Michelin Bridge of the drivers coming up the hill when they're getting ready on their scooters right. and right. on their uh, walking up with their helmet bags and their wives and family or whatever, you know, they're, they're the team members. Boy, there's some really interesting, cool stuff right there. You got to really look for it because there's a crowd, yes. a crowd in the back and everything else. But there's so many you could stand there as a, as a fan with a with a general admission ticket which is unheard of in a lot of places so formula one forget it and uh so i i think yeah you're right that that type of off-track shooting too is is pretty special a lot of fun absolutely yeah. Yeah. when i go back through and look at um a lot of the photos from the old days uh 60s 70s uh obviously there's a lot there's a lot of the same same spots for the most part that that you guys shoot today obviously the geography has changed uh so some of the f places are different but you know the shots in three you know it's just the same shots that you get you guys get get today but the one place um um that uh has really you can't shoot anymore and it's almost a bit of a shame um, but it, I know it, it was done for safety, but is at the exit of 5B, uh, drivers left going up through 5C. There used to be a clearing there, uh, and and people used to stand there. And and so a lot of the shots looking back at 5 with you know, the huge with the hill in the back. 
yeah yeah the yeah. huge crowd behind and the cars coming up five and then some cars are in 5b and you get like a train of yeah i think there's some great shots i've seen from uh there's great shots from all the events but for some reason one that sticks out to me is uh i think 67 or 68 usac indycar there's some shots that somebody sent me that were just you know fantastic with a big train of car indie cars coming through five all the way from a to b and then huge you know pack of of people lining the hill there um that's kind of the the a spot that you can't shoot anymore that's a bit of a shame bob it was done for for safety obviously but um for the most part yeah it was cool too and i said it before but i'll have to get alan de la plant on this on this show at some point but (laughs) seeing him the way he he was shooting and 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 seeing things when he came for the uh f1 revival in in 2017 was was really cool because i've seen a lot of his of his shots obviously these iconic images that he's taken and uh he kind of got to take them almost again (laughs) but in 2017 and and kind of helped i helped him a little bit when he got on top of the bridge to take the shot the only shame was he was on your shoulders right (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he was standing on. Uh, I I I held. Um, no, I uh, I I got a ladder set up for him. <laughs> but uh, the shot from seventy four, I think, is it hit him on top of the bridge, looking down and taking a photo just as they start to wheel spin on the start for the Grand Prix, and. Um, we tried to do that again, and they were, and the shot is really good. He sent us. I mean, it's it's still fantastic, but it wasn't the same because they told us they were going to do a, a ceremonial standing start. They didn't end up doing that, so no. it was a rolling start with right all, yeah. all the F one cars, which was still cool, and it was still awesome that he, you know, did this shot in nineteen seventy four and did the other one in in twenty seventeen. That was still really cool, but um, yeah, we were both. <laughs> He he had a few uh, uh, choice words when they came around, and they just started waving the green, and he wasn't exactly ready. You know, we we thought that they were gonna come and stop, and and so that was that was kind of funny, but still, such a cool guy, and uh, and yeah. seeing the uh, the way that obviously uh, I think an inspiration for you guys too. Absolutely. Well, that's what I, I think. Alan's a big inspiration to me. Bill Petro. I, there are inspirational photographers that, that uh, I've looked at. I looked at their stuff and I go, my God, it's you know, Richard, Richard Prince. Is, I mean, I said to him, he did one a little while back and I said, you're, you're my hero. I said, that's, that's brilliant. I, I, it's just great stuff and it's, uh, it's consistent and it's uh, high quality and it's just him, you know, him, he's just, he's a historian also. And it's just, uh, but Alan too, you know, with the Villeneuve thing, Bill Petro with all his Grand Prix experience and, I think, you know, they're, they're, they would be the guys that I, uh, and Ivan uh, Novotny too, of course, and I'll put him in that group, you know, <laughs> these guys that I, I, I try to emulate. But, but I think that the one thing with Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, or as we knew at Motorsport, I think nowadays we try, there's been shot, it's been shot for 60 years. I think one of our biggest challenges, and I know Ivan and I have talked about this, is finding a new shot. Finding something that's different. It's been shot, 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 shot to, with with all the restrictions that we've been given to find something unique and live different. I was asked one time, I had a, I think it was a motorcycle shot, and somebody kept saying, where is that on the track? 
where is that? That to me is the biggest compliment I can be given. Sure. <laughs> uh, when I, as a photographer at that track, they say, where, what corner? I don't know what corner that is. And I went, ah, I've done it. It's uh, <laughs> I made this shot that, that uh, I found an angle that people don't recognize. And it was, yeah. uh, it was on the front straight and it was just without anything to kind of, and it could have been uh, coming over two. It could have been, or it could have been going through three or whatever. But it was that. And I think that's our biggest challenge getting out there and trying to find something that makes it a little more different and in interesting for the fans, not that same old shot. I know we have to get those shots, but the, something yeah. to make the track a little unique and different over 60 years of shooting. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's yeah. always fun to see what uh, you know our American friends are doing when they come up. I mean, we're here all the time. Um, but mind you, they're coming up a lot of the time as well for, for the different events. But uh, we have a slight more intimacy level with the track and the park. So I'm always curious to see what, you know, the masters like Richard Prince and Richard Dole and Mike Levitt. You know, what are those guys doing? You know, they, those, these, are, these are the pros of our industry. So it's just amazing to you know, have a look over their shoulder <laughs> when they're editing and seeing what they're getting and, uh, and what spots are they shooting from. So I always find that a lot of fun, and what an honor it is to be in the in the, in the media room with those guys. It's uh, that's a that's, that's a wonderful nice. experience in itself, you know. And I think we need to make a point of taking more shots in there, and record, you know, who's in that room uh, because yeah. it's the who's who of you know motorsport photography. From we're well, getting, maybe we should do yeah, a, a press photo. Maybe we What's should do that? a press. Maybe we should do a press room photo. I think that'd be great fun. The Absolutely. Sunday Sunday yeah. morning of the press briefing. Who will take it, Get Sam? Who who will take <laughs> it? I'll do it. Oh, I want you. We want you. To. <laughs> well, if you 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 guys can set it up, and I'll just I'll just click it. I'll put it on tripod. Okay. Yeah, there well, you go. It'll be in focus. It'll be in focus if you take it. I don't know about that. I'll probably still find a way to mess it up. Uh, <laughs> See that the good thing about when I shot video was that I just put it on autofocus. So I was never, <laughs> I was never out of focus. It was perfect. Well, you had those glasses too, didn't you? Have those glasses with the camera in them too? Yeah, the yeah. Google, that, was, that was that was pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I think at one weekend I had the I, oh they were Snapchat glasses. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I had I, I had Snapchat glasses. I was shooting on my phone and I was pressing record on the. <laughs> And John took a photo of me. He called it multi, the multimedia man. Or and there was a TV camera behind you too. That was the other thing. Yeah. The, the camera was in turn two behind you. So it was like super multi. Yeah. We had it covered. Yeah. I just had to be like, have like a microphone in and be like doing some sort of radio announcement. And I would have had the whole spectrum covered. The whole spectrum. And, and uh, how about uh, TikTok or something or doing some dance? Oh, yeah. dancing. There we go. I, I don't know. I mean, we we had a hard time staying relevant on Snapchat, so I don't I don't, I don't think the CTMP TikTok would be too interesting. I don't think but. so either. I think that's another thing with this multimedia <laughs> and 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 our images going all over the place. It's what where what is the limit? Like, what do you need? And we have Instagram, we have uh, yeah. Twitter, and we have uh, Facebook. Well, I Plus, think the. Web you and I have worked for uh, a few years on on the social media, and I think the. Uh, um the the big thing that that draws people to our instagram is just the quality of of the content and the consistency of it 
We're always posting cool shots and people like to see, you know, cars on track and pictures of the track. And this year, especially lots of 60th anniversary stuff. And, and, uh, speaking of 60th anniversary, maybe it's a good segue to talk to Ivan about the 60th logo, um, mm-hmm. which we, which we got to, um, um, unveil back in December with a very, very cool, fun. very cool yeah. video. But tell me about the logo and and what your what your thoughts were on that because I I personally love it looks great on all the the merch and um, I think I think it's a really popular with with the fans as well. That's great. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's interesting uh, from a design process when you're designing an anniversary logo, it's it's a little bit different than doing a corporate logo. Um, because typically the anniversary logo will appear everywhere and usually small. It's not like the main feature, like the corporate logo will be. And it's, and it's got a a time limit on it, you know, like this will live for this year and that'll be the end of it. And, you know, what do you, what do you put into it and then how, how busy should it get? You know? So I think the point for me was keep it as simple as possible, make it as integrated as possible to everything. Uh, that we would be applying it to, whether it would be, you know, program covers to, to merch or to whatever that is on TV, wherever the logo would be, but something bold and simple. Um, and what I carried across in it was, I mean, the 60 almost looks a bit retro, the letter fonts themselves, you know, the, it looks a bit like a, a number on the side of a car, which I like. It's big and bold. It reduces down real small and still quite legible. Uh, but I pulled out the track, uh, track outline, which is from the corporate logo and brought it into the circle, the zero, if you will. And, uh, you know, it looks really simple and it's kind of like it's your first idea, but I kind of went around the block and designed so many different other concepts and ideas and it sort of came up back to that one just because of its simplicity, really. Right. And that's what it's all about. I think it's coming down and distilling a simple thought to its smallest, most uh, uh, identifiable form and shape and make it legible. And uh, I think it worked out and it's just a nice, very, very simple hint to the track. And that's kind of the thumbprint for most port CTMP. Uh, that's, you know, that's your, that's your DNA seeing that, that corner, which you can see the, the snake uh, sort of snake run up to moss. And you see that detail of that drawing of the track. Mm-hmm. And that little icon is is uh, is super strong. I think it works. I think people recognize that as being our track. Um, and yeah, I think the point was just to keep it really simple and clean and make it extremely uh, easy to bolt onto things, you know, and integrate it into everything we could. Right. It works fantastic as a watermark. And that to me, that's one of the toughest yeah. things in all the photographs. And there's all different shades and colors and stuff bang that in the corner and it's still a little tiny thing but it's I, I i think that that's where i see the impact of that unbelievable i'm really surprised i when we started talking about that i went oh god that may be too busy or the photos are too busy no it it it, it holds its own in that corner and it looks uh kind of nice yeah, for the whole year we'll use that in everything we're doing but it works yep, in all sure. applications which is really nice yeah well uh listen i appreciate you guys coming on this is the straw hat gang we of course have uh i kind of moved away when i got more serious with the racing i moved away from going on track with you guys and shooting 
but my brother Patrick, you guys took oh. him under your wing as well. So I appreciate appreciate that. And Darcy Maloney. Kind of corrupt him too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're gonna yeah, we we're, we're getting our hands into him. We're getting our hooks into him, don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. But Pat maybe I should have Patrick and Darcy on as the video team and and do Absolute. a a video episode with those guys. Yeah, we'll get them some straw hats. We'll have to get some. So I got a couple more around here. We'll we'll get them into the straw hats too. Yeah, they're like the the baseball hat gang or something. They're always wearing like ball caps. Those two. Yeah, guys. backwards. They got the backwards. They're film guys. They're film guys. You know, they're, they're it's a cinema. They're making cinema. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the art. It's all, it's all about the art. The That's art. Right. <laughs> well, once again, yeah. Thanks again, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. And hey, uh, look forward to working working Thank with you, you this year and hopefully seeing you guys at the track soon. So uh, yeah, let's get out there soon. I'm dying to get out there, but uh, our pleasure, Sam. And it's been it's been a, an honor to be here as the part of that 60th anniversary celebration. And let's get back to the track. Hopefully, we can get some fans back there because we need some background color. It's hard shooting right. the track without fans. So, but uh, yeah, let's see what happens. But I'm looking forward to another great season. Yeah. Well, pe people keep getting their vaccines, and I got mine. Uh, got yours? Yep. Very nice. Yeah, yesterday, uh, yesterday at noon, I got it. So excellent. Yeah. I think Sam, I'll probably thank get, you very much for the opportunity. This I'll probably get my vaccine in uh, 2022. I, I'm, 20, <laughs> yeah. I'm like 27 years old, so I'm like the yeah. last person who's gonna get the vaccine. So that's old folks that they gotta get that vaccine first. Right? Yeah. Good stuff, guys. <laughs> Stay safe, and let's. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Man. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Tim. All right. Thanks, Bye, Thanks, everybody. Man. Cheers. Bye. Bye.